welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets Get a ski report? Uh huh. They're calling for heavy snow and a good base, so it should be fine. Alright, we're almost there. Let's get out on those slopes. But it is, it gives the dead the appearance of life. It is not the appearance of life, it is life. This is not magic. As you say, I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood. As we continue our ice cold month here, up next, if you all like mountains of snow, if you like drama, we get a lot of drama in these mountains, I noticed. Uh, drama, <laughs> if you like blades, not blades, but like, you know, knife blades. I think they saw two of them, even though it's only supposed to be one. Um, if you like weird cutscenes that you can't really tell who's dying and who's not, and if you like somebody being drowned in a sink when, when there's randomly blood, this is the review for you, because Retro Blood's talking all about Satan's Blade. Oh yeah, Satan's Blade, everybody. If you uh, if you like robot-sounding voices, this is this is this is right up your alley. So like I couldn't believe when I heard his voice when he he was kind of like you know that we we always have like in these eighties movies we always have like a Scooby Doo mo- moment you know what yeah. I mean where the killer oh tell me why you're doing this well I will tell you why I'm doing this I'm about to say <laughs> you right now <laughs> and this motherfucker he sounded exactly like Soundwave from Transformers don't tell me he didn't <laughs> no he did he did it was a great great voice effect um, I gotta say man that I. My favorite part of doing this show is hearing you describe these movies that you had never seen before. Yes. <laughs> that is my, my I wait for that every single week to hear your description of 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 these movies and I mean you're you're dead on every single time. But yeah, this is yes. uh this is a this is definitely of all the movies ever made in the world, this is definitely one of them. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's a movie that's but, for sure. Well, you know, it is a movie. <laughs> we know what I was thinking so far, you know. So, you know, everybody who's been on our journey so far here in yeah, February, yeah. you know, we've been talking about like the mountains, the snow, and everything. But, like, I can't believe that all these movies are like almost exactly alike. You know what I mean? Like, they are similar. Like, yeah. it's all about these women. Most of them don't want to have sex with some dude, and it's all mm-hmm. drama. Okay, like don't yeah. you cannot tell me that Satan's Blade and Iced can't be like related in the same universe, okay? Because they were basically the same fucking movie. Okay, we got these group of people going to the slopes, all right? There's drama, all right? Uh, women are upset, the guys are drinking, you know, can't figure shit out, and then we, we kill everybody at the end of the movie, all right? It's just like, fuck. Yeah, and then you have your surprise, uh, your surprise... Uh, swerve at yes. the end. Got to have that swerve, but even though yeah, they they are strangely similar. Even though I like the swerve better in Iced than I did in Satan's Blade, but you know we'll talk about it. We'll we'll get there. 
So we'll get there. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to be talking all about the movie here. Um, you know, we'll talk about some behind the scenes, which I, I did get some pretty good behind the scenes, uh, stuff. Cause there's actually like awesome. this little like mini documentary about the actual <laughs> director himself, which is, uh, nice. something to see in itself. Okay. <laughs> I was watching that by a little bit. I was like, this is a weird, this is like a very awkward documentary. Like I, I've never seen anything almost more awkward than this fucking documentary compared to this movie. Okay. <laughs> So, but like in every Retro Blood, we talk about what's going on in pro wrestling and metal yeah. during the release date of the particular movie. Now, what happens, you guys know who's been on the journey with us. Sometimes we have these straight to VHS releases. We don't know when they're released. They're just out there. We only have a year. Okay. So, Satan's Blade is a little interesting. So, this fucking guy, he directed this shit in 1980, but it was canned for a while until 1984. That's when he actually officially got to release it. And, I'll, you know, I'll tell you why later when we do the who booked this shit. Uh, but we're going to okay. go for the 1984 year. And I, I thought that we'd do it like a little different uh, this time on the, uh, on, the, uh, um, on the history. Because I'm going to cover the wrestling part. And obviously, you know, Allison will chime in. And then uh, he's going to cover the metal but um, when it comes to the uh, pro wrestling part on this uh, uh, program, so recently a very famous promoter in wrestling passed away, known as Jerry Jarrett. Now, we don't really Jerry talk Jarrett. a whole lot about Jerry Jarrett's promotion, the Memphis, but during the 1980s, his promotion compared to Crockett and compared to the WWF was probably one of the hottest promotions in North America at the time. Yeah. Uh, the CWA. So, you know, I knew Jerry Jarrett from obviously his son, Jeff Jarrett, you know, because yeah. when I was right. watching wrestling, you know, Jeff Jarrett was in the middle and I always heard that he came from, a, you know, a, a wrestling background. And that's why I, I did a little research on Jerry Jarrett. And the first thing I always think of when I think of Jerry Jarrett was he was the guy that was placed in the WDF just, just in case McMahon got sent to prison for the steroid trial. So that's... Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a thing. Like, yeah, like yeah. He, was, uh, okay. he was hired just in case because the reason is, which I'm going to talk about, is because you know, Jerry Jarrett's you know, promotion, the CWA, out of, out of the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, was a hot program for its time. And he ran weekly television shows every monday night and they sold out the coliseum every monday night which is crazy to mm. think about you know imagine just running the same show in the same market but then selling out over and over and over again right and the biggest thing was is because of his style of wrestling which he had his top star at the time jerry lawler which we do talk about here on the retro blood and he brought a lot of the uh, drama aspects to pro wrestling, you know. And, you know, we had this discussion before about, you know, which style of wrestling that, that we like. And there's a couple of territories, maybe like Crockett, who, who you know, for their weekly show, they'll mostly just have squash matches, you know, a couple mm -hmm. of promos here and there. Same thing with the WWF. We're going to have a couple of squash matches. We'll... We'll, we'll, you know, we'll do a couple matches, but we'll, we'll highlight certain stars. You know, Jerry Jarrett's promo is a little different. We're going to have hot feuds weekly on our TV to build up to a main show, which is a format that they pretty much do nowadays. 
Yeah, he was really ahead of his time, I yeah. think. Definitely. And, you know, a lot of people came from his territory, you know. So how it first worked out, like he had a, a an agreement with the NWA, you know. And then later on, they had an like, agreement with the AWA, you know, the shared talents and stuff. But yeah. when I was doing some of my research on his particular um, his uh, particular territory, now, now he did also have a wrestling career. Jerry Jarrett did. He actually was a pro wrestler turned promoter. But mostly on here, I'm just going to talk about his promoting because that's what's kind of centered around more more around the 80s was him like doing like a yeah. promoter. He was mostly a wrestler in the 60s and and early 70s. So yeah, which is way before our time. Way, but yeah, yeah, way before, brother. <laughs> so like the uh, the C, the the CWA, the Continental uh, Wrestling uh, Alliance. Um, it, actually, association. My bad. The Continental Wrestling Association. At first, it was more like a tag team territory. Like we had, like re- like pretty much all your top stars were tag teams, which is very very interesting. You know, to have like a like a territory built on ta- on tag teams. It wasn't until like when we're going more into like the eighties or the early se- you know later seventies, early eighties. That's when we we're, we're kind of breaking away from the NWA, and you know we're kind of creating our own belt. There, that's yeah. and that's when they created their own belt. And, uh, you know, we had, like, a lot of people come through there. You know, Freebirds came through there. Hulk Hogan came through there. When they were back with the NWA, Ric Flair came from there. They were even associated with the AWA. That's when we talked about Jerry, Jared. I mean, we, then we, called the, we talked about Jerry Lawler versus Kurt mm-hmm. Henning. That was for the AWA yep. belt. But then Jerry Lawler was associated with the CWA. So a lot of back and forth talent. But the biggest thing I want to talk about is their, their weekly television show. And just some of the big angles that kind of came from there. And obviously, Allison, you, we know about this. We might have talked about this a little before. But the biggest, one of the biggest angles that ever came from Jerry Jarrett in Mid-South, Col- I mean, uh, Mid-South Coliseum, Memphis, CWA, is the Jerry Lawler versus Andy Kaufman feud. Yeah, I was going to say that that's pretty much the reason I don't talk about Memphis a lot is because I really don't know much about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, Um, it just I could never watch it. It was never on TV, even though, you know, I lived in the South my whole life uh, or grew up in the South my whole life. I never was able to see Memphis wrestling on my TV. I mean, I could only watch Crockett wrestling. Um, But the more I learn about it, the more I really want to see it. And like if, you know, if the if. uh, the network, well, I guess the Peacock now, if it were on the cock, then I'd be able to, I would definitely watch all these Memphis, uh, Memphis shows because they definitely. look fantastic. But, but the Andy Kaufman thing is the, is the thing I know most about because I was a huge Andy Kaufman fan too. And finding out about this and, and, and this feud with Dre Lawler, um, in, in, in recent years has become something that I've been fascinated with. And now that we've found out more about how it really happened. Um, I'm even more interested in it. Yeah, it's a very fascinating feud, you know, because Andy he started off wrestling even before he he um, he got known. You know, obviously he was known for the starring in the Taxi Show, but he would actually yes. wrestle on undercards of wrestling to wrestle women. Like that was his gimmick, was just wrestling a bunch of women. And eventually right. they brought the uh, I think it was um, Bill Apter. He first tried to get it to the WWF to have him, you know, use this Kaufman angle, but the Vince McMahon, he didn't want to do it, so he brought it to Jerry Jarrett, and then they pretty much ran with it with the with the king. And the big the big selling point at first was the uh, the pile driver, where he uh, 
he pretty much laid dead in the ring for a while. Like he broke his neck, and then of course they had that mm-hmm. famous uh, David Letterman skit on TV. Yes, and that was just, in 1982. Yes, and I just built up everything, um, you know, from there. And you know they tried to do the angle a little later on and stuff, but you know it kind of fell out after a while. But it was definitely like a hot period with them getting very a lot of like outside notoriety. And we see we still see that in wrestling even nowadays. You know what I mean? They'll bring in celebrities and stuff, and you know some of them hit, some of them don't hit. Uh, but it is a thing that you know a lot of wrestling promotions do to get more eyeballs on you. And it's really cool if you have a star like Andy Coffin was of how much he sold everything. Like, he was great. Like, he didn't... I mean, you thought that shit was real when he did that shit. You know what I mean? Like, he sold everything. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Well, I mean, Andy Kaufman actually loved wrestling, which I think a lot of celebrities they bring into wrestling, especially nowadays, don't necessarily like wrestling. It's just a payday. Yeah. You know, which is why, like, in, in recent years, I've become more accepting of... <clears throat> of... uh his name just left my mind. Uh, David Arquette. Yes. Oh, yeah. Our David boy. Arquette accepted our boy. You know, being on <laughs> our boy David Arquette. Yeah, and, uh, being on being on WCW and and although I still have some issues with him winning the WCW heavyweight title, um, it, at least David Arquette loved wrestling and he loves wrestling to this day. I mean, he still wrestles to this day. I mean, Nick Gage nearly killed him. Yes, but. Uh, by by accident, it was fucking. But um, slit that motherfucker <laughs> with the fucking bulb and shit. Oh my god, yeah. that was that was shit was crazy. But I mean, he does love wrestling, and, and and Andy was the same way. Andy Kaufman loved wrestling, even though he was just a really strange comedian. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his stand-up comedy, but it's really, really. I've awesome. seen a little bit of it. Um, and it's like something that it's not like it's not easy to laugh at. Yeah. Um, but it's like for some reason he just gets me and like, like, like I can watch like a stand up thing for like 20 minutes and not laugh at all. And then all of a sudden I'll just like burst out laughing. Like, I mean, he, he was funny he was really funny on taxi. Taxi was a great show. Um, I love taxi. I'm a huge fan of that show too, but yeah, I mean like that, that, um, uh, feud with Lawler, I'm sure elevated their, their TV, to to new to new heights but it is kind of weird because like you were saying like how they sold out they had a tv show that had angles on it and they sold out the memphis coliseum uh, mid-south coliseum every monday every monday that would be like raw every monday night yeah that would be like raw being in the same town every week and it's selling out yeah i mean raw doesn't even sell out now uh, when it tours um but yeah, I mean that's pretty amazing. But then again, back then yeah. it was putting butts in seats that you know that's that's how you got made your money. So and if you wanted to see a, you know the big payoff, you had to come see it. And another fascinating um, history about this territory is the TV ratings account. I mean, yeah, they got like what it was like a twenty something with a four shares, like some huge amount of like viewers were actually watched this TV every Monday night as well too. So, and yeah. that, you know, obviously the, his biggest draw was Jerry, the King Lawler, you know, the King of Mem- yes. Memphis. He was like their, ba- you know, he was like their Hulk Hogan. He was like their, their John Cena, you know, he was like the major big star out of that territory. He and a, go ahead. I was going to say, he was also a co-owner too, right? Yes, he was, yes. Him and, and Jerry Jarrett run it, own it together. Yes. So how they would do it, which what I heard, which I thought was pretty fascinating was, so Jerry Jerry, he's a really like interesting promoter, you know. And this guy, like I, 
I didn't know too much about him. Like I said, I only kind of knew about him for those two facts that I said at the beginning. But when I was doing more of my research, right. it's very fascinating of how he actually ran the the promotion. You know, what he would do is like he had this thing where you know the, the we would they they called them bookers back in the day. So bookers are basically right. the people who write the matches and the storylines and the finishes, and we call them yep. writers now. But back in the day, brother, in the eighties, they were bookers. So what he would do is he would book six months of the territory and then he would have Jerry Lawler book six months of the territory for not to get burnt out because they're doing it every week. So he would rotate both of them back and forth. And obviously, you know, people were saying that, you know, when you can tell when Jerry Jerry was booking it because it was a little bit better. Um, but like I thought that was a very fascinating idea to do. Like, you know, and it makes makes sense, you know, there is burnout you know when you're you're constantly booking television over and over and over and over you know oh, a yeah. lot of Tell angles me. on ideas like i mean you gotta keep everything hot you know yeah, they, i mean they had an idea you know they're doing a lot of drama so the biggest thing when they were booking their shows besides you know the Kaufman stuff was only like one little angle that kind of elevated them but the biggest thing was jerry lawler and his opponents that he faced and they had the gimmick where uh it was jimmy hart was like the main manager mostly throughout the CWA and he would bring in top heel after top heel after top heel to challenge Jerry Lawler. So they did all that until um, Jimmy Hart left for the WWF later on, which would be like kind of close to like 1984, 1985. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say a couple of things about that. Like, yeah, I mean, because like doing a show like that every single week, get, I'm sure it gets tiring. I mean, like we, I mean, even with our show, I mean, we book our show 52 weeks a year plus specials. Yeah. So we never miss a week. We never take a week off. And, you know, it. so it's, you know, and, and I and I I wanted to kind of book, kind of do that because it's kind of like what wrestling is like. It's yeah. like, you know, you don't have weeks off. You know, you do a show every week. Keep going. Um, you know, so we, you know, so burnout even for us, I think, can get pretty real. But I mean, I can't even imagine like booking a wrestling show every single Monday. Like a single person doing it, like yeah. you know, Lawler's booking the whole show, you know, for the next six months, every every week. Um, but yeah, I mean, and um, another thing too that we didn't mention too is that a lot of famous people that went on to WWF in the eighties came through or came from Memphis. Oh, you know, yeah. Jimmy Hart's the one you mentioned, but there were tons of them. Hogan went through there. Yep. Um, you know. Well, we said Flair, but yeah, a lot of people that would go on to be big in WWF yeah. were, 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 came from Memphis. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, like uh, Bruiser Brody was there. I mean, like you Bruiser name Brody it, like every, there, yeah. every top star you could think of in the eighties went through Memphis. Did you find out who has the rights to all their TV? Cause it's not on WWE stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I didn't really find that out, but I mean, I would have to guess it's either going to be the Jarrett's or Lawler has the rights to the old footage, unless they sold it off. Because they were, yeah, I mean, because they were able to get it for those uh, Dark Side of the Ring shows they were doing, mm -hmm. and the Andy Kaufman the thing on. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but the uh, Andy Kaufman episode of Tales of the Territory, um, they were able to get you know the footage for that. So somebody has it that it, you know that it's easily able to get to. So that would be cool. Like whoever has that, yeah, it's all, should put that on. It's gonna have to. So service. apparently around 1992, when they had the uh, the U 
USWA, which we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, like, uh, Jerry, he sold his stake in the promotion to Jerry Lawler and Larry Burton. So it's either going to be Jerry Lawler or Larry Burton who own their actual rights to everything. Hmm. So oh, Jerry Lawler needs to put that on a streaming service. Hey, he probably will. We need to see. We need to be able to watch these shows. Yes, because I, I am, I'm very interested to see in these shows too. Because we, you know, we, we had a couple of specials like documentaries that like you say, but watching them weekly live shows would be pretty fun. So a couple of things. So during the 1984 era of of the CWA, what was going on with them? You know, so I want to correlate with mm-hmm. the movie. You know, besides all sure. the boys being jacked up, seeing Satan's Blade. Running right, right no out way. of the lo- local Allison's TV <laughs> blockbuster. <laughs> right. So, apparently, so, what was happening was, so, you know, the WWF, you know, they're getting hot during this time. Yep. 1984, mm-hmm. about to be WrestleMania 1985, they are on the rise. So, uh, promotions like Jarrett's and stuff, they need to start making partnerships. All right? And then one of the partnerships Jerry was making was a talent exchange mm-hmm. Between himself and Mid South Wrestling, Bill South, Bill, um, mm-hmm. Bill Watts's territory, and Jerry, yeah. you know, and Law, they they advised Bill Watts to to bring young performers into their territory because Laura and they wanted to attract more younger fans, especially female fans, all right, and they would also bring their boyfriends. So you know, they wanted to attract some young hot performers there. Probably like a young sting, you know what I mean? To get the ladies there, exactly. to get the boyfriends there, to get everybody all pumped up because that formula worked really well in Dallas. The Von Erichs bring all these young people and all these girls screaming. It just brings more yep. energy to the program. So that's what we're doing. We're kind of doing like a, a shared uh, territory. Uh, over and, and then, you know, Memphis was known for that. You know, like I said before, they were part of the NWA for a while. Then when they broke away, you know, they're doing some of this Mid-South stuff. And then they also got into a partnership back and forth with the AWA, uh, Vern Gagne's promotion as well, too. And that's when we were when we, we discussed, discussed about these before, some of those Super Clash shows on there. Yes. You know, we had that one where we talked about with Jerry Lawler versus uh, uh, Von Erich, um, Carrie Von Erich, where you're like, you know, his fucking bicep was all busted open. They couldn't tell what the hell was going on with them. And then we also had the famous um, Kurt Henning versus Jerry Lawler for the AWA title when Jerry Lawler won the title. And then the AWA won, won the title back. All right. And then, you know, Jerry Lawler and I got paid for it. He never got paid for that super clash. So he never gave him the mm-hmm. title back. And then on, on the AWA TV, they said, oh, this guy doesn't want to defend it. He's a coward and stuff. So they just made a new championship and Jerry Lawler kept the belt, the original belt <laughs> the whole time there too. So, you know, that, that's what happens when, you know, those like promoters, you know, try to work together. Sometimes it goes a little sour. Yeah. If you don't pay the guy, he doesn't give your title back. That's why back in the day, it was so important to have your title on somebody that you trusted, which usually meant you had your, you put your title on yourself <laughs> as long as you could, you know, like Vern, Vern held the title for years until he just couldn't wrestle anymore. Um, that's why Flair held the title for so long is cause, you know, uh, Jimmy Crockett trusted him, um, until he didn't anymore, but that's a different story we'll get to one day. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, but basically, yeah. So he, so they didn't pay Lawler for the show. So he just kept the title, which is worth, I'm sure that title is now worth, if Lawler still has it is worth 
way more than he would have ever been paid for that show. I mean, oh, that's yeah, definitely. in the tens of thousands of dollars for that title, I'm sure, right now. So, you know, throughout the 80s, um, getting co- closer to the later on 80s, you know, like I said, like, the WWE was taking over everybody. Like, they, he was, you know, Vince Man came in there, Hulk Hogan buying up everybody, taking all the top talent, you know, taking over territories, you know, eventually led to the demise of WCCW, uh, Ron Eric's territory, eventually the AWA too. You know, the only one that was kind of holding strong was the Crockett. But, you know, on a side note, Jerry Jarrett, you know, the CWF or later on the um, uh, he, USWA, because right? that's when they merged all the talent together um, with the with the Mid-South. Mm-hmm. This territory actually had a working agreement for a long, long period of time with the WWF. So technically Memphis, Memphis Wrestling, Mid-South Coliseum was probably the last surviving territory for ages because they would do talent back in exchange. They did that talent back in exchange up into the attitude era because remember we oh, had wow. those, remember we had, well, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever heard about this, but so I think it was back in like 19, God, that'd be like 96, 97 around there. Um, <laughs> One of the big like weird angles was Vince McMahon going to Memphis and being a heel and like calling out like Jerry Lawler and like calling out all the fans of Memphis. And yet he would be like a commentary uh, baby face on his program. And then he'd come to Memphis and be a total dick heel. Wow. No, I did not know that. I mean, I knew that they had some definite, uh, well, not, not what I would call a talent exchange, but like they, that WWF definitely let people, work other shows until about 97 or 98 probably yeah. um, to supplement their income if they needed to. Cause I can remember there's some smoky mountain wrestling episodes that have the undertaker on them, I believe. Yeah. And same and thing even, with Memphis even the undertaker too. would go down. Cause yeah. even Memphis had Kane and the undertaker appear on their programs. Yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. Like to see that now to see like, you know, the undertaker show up on Memphis yeah. television. That would be so cool. I and, really want to see this. And stuff. the reason they had that good uh, relationship is because of Jerry Lawler. Because Jerry Lawler would not only still work his Memphis territory, but he would also be a commentary and a performer on the WWF. So, mm-hmm. uh, the last thing kind of about Jerry Jerry, also too, you know, he was also a original uh, uh, creator or owner of TNA, brother. So, that was his yeah. last um, adventure into the pro wrestling world. Of him doing the TNA in the later like 2000s and stuff, so I'm not gonna get into too much detail on that because uh, you know there, there's there's a lot to talk about this guy. Like you know I'm pretty sure there's like for sure. podcasts out there that go on for hours and hours and hours about Jerry Jarrett. I just wanted to say something on here because we do talk about 80s wrestling all the time, and yeah. I just want to like you know let people know like this guy was a huge figure within 80s wrestling of getting a lot of stars um, on TV. Uh, have a very hot promotion, you know, probably having one of the most hottest wrestlers in the 80s, Jerry Lawler, on promotions and TVs around the world, too. So, you know, shout out to Jerry, Jerry Jarrett, you know, for helping out the wrestling business. Uh, what a true legend. I mean, if you yep. do risk, and if, history on this guy, it's amazing. Yeah, it is true. And and if for no other reason, he gave us uh, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, brother, don't piss the him off, magnet. brother. <laughs> don't piss him off. Don't piss him off. He got the stroke. So, 
I love Jeff Jarrett. I actually do too. Like you know, at first I wasn't a you know big fan of Jarrett, but like he he definitely has grown on me throughout years and stuff. And he is a fantastic heel. I'll give him. He is. Yes. I saw him live. <laughs> little, little quick story before we talk about the uh, the medal. <laughs> so it was around when WrestleMania came to Dallas, not this last year, but like around like 2015. I think it was like 32 or something. So I went to the WrestleCon Super Show. Okay. It was all like some like a uh, like a little smaller like a uh, civic center in Dallas, bro. This mm-hmm. guy came out. Holy shit! <laughs> all right, this guy pissed off the. I never seen this crowd so pissed. This guy's, and they were giving him shit like you know you fucked Kurt you know because you know Jeff married Kurt's ex wife. They were like chanting him yeah. all kinds of shit to this, this guy. I thought he was. We barely even saw any wrestling. It was just him fighting the crowd the whole time. I was like, this guy is <laughs> crazy. So like he is great. <laughs> I was like, damn, you don't really see that. You know, you don't see that level of heel a lot, you know, but he can do no, it. Like, he can yeah. do it great. He is a great at it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he can just walk. I don't know how he's just so good at pissing people off, but he can't. Like, mm-hmm. he'll just walk through the, he can just walk through that curtain and just walk down the aisle. Just, you can just see him, even if you can't hear what he's saying, yeah. you can just see him like just pissing everybody off as he walks down that aisle. And by the time he gets to the ring, everybody in that building hates him. He's so good at it. Like, he's, Maybe maybe the best. He may be the best heat magnet that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like he's just so good at it. He pisses people off more than Tony did on Satan's Blade. Uh, that's how much he pisses yes. people off. So. Yes. Yeah, a lot like Steve Carino. Steve Carino is a great heat magnet too. Yes, that's true. All right, Allison, what are we gonna be listening to on our way to the uh, Allison's uh, rent rent a video store? We just got Satan's Blade in. We just got 10 copies of Satan's Blades. You got to run down to the video store and get them before they go go out. But uh, so I want to talk about this album because um, no no horror movies came out this month, the month this album was released. So we may not get another chance to talk about it. I think we have talked about this band before, but not this album. So I wanted to bring up Fate's Warning again. And uh, I love Fate's Warning. Fate's Warning is... They're a prog metal, a progressive metal band. And they were like one of the first, I guess you would say like, you know, the top four of progressive metal, like, or the one of the first, not, they didn't invent the genre, but they were one of the first big bands along with Queensryche to be doing this kind of, you know, metal and progressive rock kind of thing together where it was like, you know, you're kind of hearing a story. It's real technical music, um, but it's still heavy and hard and metal, but, in September of 1984, which might be when my video store got a copy of Satan's Blade, I don't know, they released their first album, Night on Brocken, um, which is very early Fate's Warning, so it's not as progressive as they would get, but it did have their um, their original singer, John Arch, who is still making music today, but he's not a professional musician. He uh, he makes uh, furniture now, but he got tired of... Uh, that he really, I think he did three albums with them, and then he just kind of got tired of being on the road, and he got tired of being of dealing with the uh, the music aspect of it, and you know, and he decided to uh, like basically he just got tired of the bullshit part of music, and he just you know decided he was going to do something else. And then they got a different singer named Ray Alder and got famous, but this album has John John Arch and the original band on it, and it's. It's a it's a really good album. Um, it like I said, it's like the very beginning of their sound, so it's not as progressive as they would get. Um, but it does have some classics on, like "Buried Alive" and "Kiss of Death" and um, "Shadow Facts." It's got some really really good uh, really good stuff on it, and I would recommend people 
check out Fate's Warning because they're kind of a, a band that a lot of people don't know about, a band that a lot of people don't listen to now, um, but they're still together, still fantastic. There you go. Um, have you ever listened to any Fate's Warning other than what we've done on the show? No, I can't say I have. Um, no, I'm so. This is the you know this would be a very uh, fine dynamic you know so you know yeah. you know back in the eighties and stuff you know me I would be the uh, okay I play on the Slayer you know what I mean I probably have a little yeah. bit of the uh, the the Dokken playing in the background yeah. you know what I mean and then you would be the guy bringing in the new stuff you know what I mean like yeah. the uh, the, radio, the more on, weird stuff yeah the more yeah. weird underground stuff I'm like oh, okay you know yeah. I'll listen to it and see if you know I could dig it I could dig a little bit of it so you know yeah. while we're at the uh, Allison's Renner Center. He'd probably have the copy of the CD there too. Uh-huh. Yep. And, uh huh. Yeah, I would be. I would trade out the Dokken for the Fates Warning. We both listen to Slayer, but I mean, <laughs> not that go. I don't like Dokken. I, I do. Dokken's a bad example because I do like Dokken, but I mean, like you know, with the with that, you know, I I bet you, boy, our boy, um, Tony. Uh, he seems like he'd be a fan. Maybe Fates Warning. Yeah, maybe. You know what maybe. I mean? Possibly. Yeah. You know, apparently he had a big appetite. That wasn't explored too much in the movie, so maybe he had a big appetite um, for some prog metal. That, yeah, that did seem to be a that did seem to be a strange um, plot point that was never explored. At, at a, he was all well. That was a lot of this movie. So. About. Well, true. That's true. So I say we get into the who booked this shit, brother. Talk about some behind the scenes of Satan's Blade. Yeah. I tried to research this. So I'm glad you found something because yes. I, I I didn't see that uh, L. Scott Castillo Jr. ever made another movie after this. No, so yeah, so so basically, <laughs> there's this documentary. I uh, it's yeah. called Remembering Satan's Blade, and <laughs> I, rec- I I might have to play this on like our Facebook because okay. this has to be one of the strangest interviews I've ever seen. I don't know why it was just so awkward to me. It's probably because of the host. She just like sits in the background, just stares like she doesn't want to be there the whole time. Okay, <laughs> right. And this guy is like this, the director, uh, uh, Costello Jr. He's like, "All right, did we get a good shot of this poster? Did you get it? Tell me if he, t- Pam, tell me if he said yes. Did he? Did he get it? Did he get it? Yes. Okay, he said yes. Okay, cool. Well, here, let me get a better shot of this. I'm like, bro, we we see it." We see the fucking picture, okay? Like, you gotta watch this thing. This thing is so awkward, all right. But he does give like some like good advice. I, you know, this guy. So a little thing about him, like I, I guess he he's like a, he's a Vietnam veteran, okay. So mm-hmm. he went to Vietnam. Okay. He's all about you know patriotic stuff. And when he got out of there, that's when he decided to make a movie. And you know he he does some good. He tells you about you know hey this is like an old movie crate. This is where we used to put the films in stuff. You know like you know. He kind of goes into the business of making a B movie, which I appreciate. That's the cool part of the documentary, you know, right. saying like, yeah, we, we, you know, when I first got this, I kind of build up some money. The first thing I got was some lawyers to help me out with the, with the movie. We got some funding. Mm-hmm. We, did, we made this movie for a half a million dollars. I almost fell out of my chair when I heard that. There's like fucking Didn't no way that much to make. Okay, yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what? There was a lot of Coke bought with that money. <laughs> yeah, yes, it had to be. Okay. Maybe that blade was like some sort of like Egypt <laughs> object we didn't know about. So um, so he was just, you know, saying like, you know, he was just getting all that stuff. He said he co-wrote most of the film. He said that was a story he'll talk about later, which he never did. But I didn't finish right. the whole documentary. But then he also went over the cover art. 
you know, so we had a couple of different VHS cover arts. And he said, like, those cover arts cost, like, $5,000 each. I was like, fuck, bro, what? He's like, yeah, I'm not going to make well, that mistake again. I was like, well, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me because they're all hand-painted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as most art was at the time was, you know, like, movie posters were mostly hand-painted or airbrushed at the time. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise me that, I mean, maybe in 1982, but, like, if you tried to get, like, something like that air or painted today it would it would cost you every bit of five thousand dollars i'm sure especially if you're going to use it for a, a commercial thing like that but yeah that doesn't surprise me that that, that they that it, they cost that much so so another thing too is you know he did a lot of the filming of um satan's blade he did it around uh big bear california yep. all right and he he filmed it in the spring of 1980 over a period of 33 days and I know what you're thinking. It's like, oh, this motherfucker, he filmed the film in 1980. Why did it take until 1984 to get released? Well, he Once actually... Once you watch it, you find out. Yes. Well, that too. But he also <laughs> lets us know why. So he said, yeah, the reason I uh, couldn't get this released until 1984, he said, I swear he said Warner Brothers. I was like, what? It's like he said, like, the, 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 the distribution company, they wanted mm-hmm. to add two... Check this out. They wanted to add two more murders... Okay, they wanted to have one extra topless scene, and they said they wanted a hint of lesbians. Lesbians. <laughs> so I get Man. the two murders in the top. But did you did you have did did I miss something? Where was there lesbianism in this? I I didn't I didn't really get that out of it unless well the b- very beginning. That oh, could okay, be what talking about. I got you. Yeah, but that's then, the only thing I can I mean, think of. I, uh, yeah, that's one thing. I, and that does look like it was shot at a different time. Yeah. So maybe they did add the part. I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute, but like the like the part at the beginning is the only thing I could think of, even though I mean there's a plot reason that that happens. I wouldn't consider that lesbianism necessarily, yeah. but but I mean maybe if 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 you were forced to put that into your movie, maybe that's how you would do it. You yeah. know what I mean? And then he goes on talking a little bit about um apparently one of the covers, like the the cover that has like the knife but the head. Oh, first yeah. of all, these covers, like if I, okay, so we, we talked about this a little bit before, but I want to talk about it, you know, every episode probably. The big thing about VHS during this era and probably until people went out to videos is the cover art. When you don't Hell know yeah. anything about the fucking movie, you're going to be like, that's a badass cover. I'm going to rent this shit. Even if the cover has nothing to do with the actual fucking movie. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Well, that's how a lot of things were. I mean, yeah. I just had this conversation with the girl that works at the local record store with me. Like we were talking about like cover art and like how cover art for records and also with movie posters is now a lost art because you don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. Cuz now you can you can put your trailer up on YouTube and everybody will see it. Yeah. In like seconds. Um but before like you know like like with metal bands especially, like you know metal didn't get played on the radio. You know, Iron Maiden wasn't played on the radio. Quiet Riot wasn't played on the radio. If you wanted to know if, you know, what Quiet Riot sounded like, you pretty much either had to know somebody who had the record or you had to buy the record. But those album covers made people buy records. It made me buy records. That's for sure. Like I am, I'm an Iron Maiden fan today because I went into my local Roses and I saw the cassette cover of Live After Death with Eddie coming up out of the grave with the lightning all around him and the sim and the, tombstones behind him and and um you know with with like the dark blue cover and he's just like all gnarly and his hands are like reaching up out of the grave like i was like what does that sound like so i bought that 
because of that album cover. And I became an Iron Maiden fan from that day. And, and, you know, quiet riot with the big metal mask, like a lot of, a lot of things were like that. And movies were like that too. Yeah. You know, when you went to the video store and you saw this video box with this, you know, this crazy script, it says Satan's blade. And it's got this hand with a knife coming up out of the water and like a head underneath the, underneath the water. Uh, I mean, they're like, okay, I got to see that. Yeah. And I saw, I watched a lot of movies that I love today because of, of, of video box covers. But yeah, it's a lost art, but that's how things were then. Like you sold it based on that cover art. And a lot of times the cover art was a lot better than the movie. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. like you were saying, it had nothing at all to do with the movie nothing. whatsoever. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> so uh, kind of a funny thing about his cover art. He said that that one we we're just talking about with the head and the knife coming out of the water. He said mm-hmm. that he, he thought that he had the rights um, to the whole you know satan's blade but he he only on that one he only had it in england and canada that said satan's Ooh. blade in north america it said satan's blood <laughs> on it <laughs> so when the guy released he was like he's so pissed because like it said satan's blood and it's like that's a totally different movie <laughs> so yeah yeah that's why he had to come up with like a different cover for the uh for for us and here in the north america so <laughs> So, gotta read his contracts, brother. Yes, and so during all this stuff, he did he did say that he's also so this this documentary is supposedly filmed in like 2015. So he was you know talking about wow. the you know some backstory of the movie and everything like that. But he's also he also kept bringing up like he made like this cop show or movie, and like he showed yeah. like a picture <laughs> of himself. Like it's such a creepy picture he shows. Like you got it. like everybody you have to see this documentary on the Facebook because this, yeah, this, this is just so like weird. He shows like a picture of his, his face, right? He's like, here's my headshot when I was a director. You like it like that? And he's like, look at this picture. And it's just him with like girls laying on like a couch and shit. It looks like a it looks, it looks like a, an old school eighties porn with him creepy <laughs> creepy over there with like some sort of blood spattered shirt. He's like, Yeah, that's about my cop yeah. show. That's coming out soon. I can't give you guys a name. Oh man, I wish. I, I hope that exists. I, so, I, I bet it doesn't, but I hope it does. I'm and he up. said on there too that Satan's Blade. He he was trying to do a Satan's Blade two, and he's trying to do a Kickstarter. And I fucking looking. I don't see anything about no Satan's Blade Kickstarter. So if anybody saw that out there, like just send it to us because I can't find anything that says Satan's Blade well, two Kickstarter. You know, he's trying to do a Kickstarter program. You know, like get some more fundings for this movie. Hell um, yeah. So and I well, I mean that was 2015, but still, yeah. I if I I would definitely contribute to uh, Satan's Blade too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I want to see that, and I kind of wanted to see his uh, cop cop show too. His cop show, fuck yeah. I mean, I bet it's pretty wild, you know. So, but that's a little little backstory of the uh, the the little Satan's Blade. So now we will talk all about the Satan's Blade. Let's get into it. Let's do it. It came from hell, bearing a curse as eternal as the devil himself, bringing with it a siege of madness, terror, and murder. Its horrible power can turn an innocent man into a tool of death and destruction. Beware. Beware the slash of Satan's blade. All right, so we start off. We're in mountains. And they actually have some really good shots of these mountains, too. Like, you got the lake there. You got the little mountains of snow on it. Good shots. So, we have a knife that's in a tree, and it's glowing. We brought we brought back the 80s glow. Now, this one wasn't blue. It's, hey, no, it's evil. 
Yeah, that's how you know it's evil, yes. If anything ever glows in an 80s movie, you know that shit's like, okay, we mean yeah. business here, brother. Okay? Yep. It's going. So we see like this uh, couple, it's a guy and a girl, they're leaving a bank. All right? And they're saying that they're going to meet with this bank person around 6 o'clock. And we're at the uh, uh, Sierra Foothills Bank. All right? Mm-hmm. And then when they leave, we have two people who show up. And they plan to rob this bank. Now, we don't see their faces. We just see their feet the whole time while they're uh, mm-hmm. robbing this this bank. So, so this is what I got of it. And this is what actually happened. Okay? This is going to happen a lot. So, I got out of it. It's okay. They, they tap on the door. They got a little gun. The girl just lets them in. The bank person lets them in. There's another bank girl there. There's just music going on the whole time. Like, there's like, mu- yes. like we don't hear talking. We just hear music. I even heard this girl say something. She didn't say anything. There's no audio. She was just talking. There's just music. Yeah. So, for some reason, one there's two people, two bank robbers. One has a gun on one of the girls. The other one takes money. So, first, mm-hmm. they go out like a little safe. They, they grab a whole lot of cash, right? You saw that you know, when they when they when they got it out of the mm-hmm. little safe, they grab cash. Then, then, then they they go to the bank teller, and I swear it was like ones, fives, tens, and twenties. I was like, why why even bother? Okay, because that's all the money that we had when we were filming this movie. Nobody had yeah, any so, hundreds. We had ones, fives, and tens. Like I get the first stack, all right, and they're saying and they're saying that they robbed the place for fifty thousand dollars. There's no way. Okay, there's no way this fucking thing that was like a little bank that that bank slot thing had to have at least a two hundred bucks in it. Okay, don't tell me that's fifty thousand. Right? Fifty thousand dollars and ones. Yeah, ones. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so like, they're, she, they're they're one hand's taking the money, one hand holds the gun, and then randomly the other hand has like a knife and it just starts cutting the girl's shirt off. Yeah, for some reason, this is the lesbianism part, right? Yeah, th- yeah, that might. Yeah, there so we go. I have, I have actually. <laughs> I have an actual reason for this. So <clears throat> when I was watching this, I, I did not know about the forced um, insertion of lesbianism. <laughs> um, so what I assumed was happening was since they're all covered up head to toe, they, you know, like, you know how she's cutting the girls, the buttons off her shirt and like yeah. opening up her shirt with the knife. I thought she was doing that so that they would think it was men that were robbing the bank. Yeah. Oh wait, we haven't spoiled that yet. It's two girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just did. Uh, sorry, sorry guys. So it's two girls that are robbing the bank. So I thought that they did that so that so that the girls, the girls did that so that so that the authorities would think it was men that was robbing the bank. That's that's why I thought that. Yeah, was but then the what happens is they just shoot the motherfuckers. They do just shoot them. Yes. Yeah. So it's like fuck it. It didn't matter. So, so it didn't matter because we're no, no witnesses anyway. And bro, like when they shot these two <laughs> bank teller girls, I ain't never seen so much overacting in my life. Oh, like they must have, they must have been right out of fucking drama school. All right, just like boom, right there. It's like okay, what I need you to do is we're gonna shoot you, right? And I need you to oversell it the be- the most you could ever see in your life, and that's what they did here. Right. I think a lot of this is just people doing the best they can. Like yes. I'm not sure any of these people were actually actors. <laughs> so after that, we see a lot of car scenes driving through mountains and at nighttime and everything. And then this is when we find out that it's two women who robbed the bank, and their names yep. is going to be Ruth and Trish. Yep. Right. So they're talking about you know how exciting this was for for robbing this bank. 
uh, you know, they, they didn't know they were, you know, they, this is, you know, they didn't know they were going to be doing this, but they, they actually stashed the, the cash, they stash it in a, an event. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the girls in the green shirt, uh, Ruth, she is all like excited, you know, about how like they, they, they did this and everything. And she's so excited, um, about, you know, the thrill of basically of robbing this bank and everything. And then they're waiting for a guy named George to get here. So I guess George is like part of their like crew. Um, so now the, uh, they're kind of like, you know, relaxing a little bit at this like cabin, like this little cabin in there. And, uh, so, uh, the, the Ruth girl, she is uh, like, like, you know, talking back and forth with Trish. Trish is the one in the green. Ruth is the one like in the little checkered shirt. And Ruth is, she's the one that's kind of getting undressed and she's like the happy one. And she is just going off like saying like, uh, okay, I'm going to get undressed somewhere here. We're going to wait for George, but I can't wait to get this to Santa Fe. You know, I heard you can hire a bunch of hunks there. You ever hired a hunk, Allison? <laughs> <laughs> I have not hired a hunk. You get like a two for um, one uh, special? Yeah, I've definitely... I have definitely not done that. I do think the scene is really weird because yes. they just randomly take off their pants. Well, you know, reason. when you're in the, the like, cabin, you just rob somebody, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you just get naked. I mean, duh. Well, yeah, like like before she hides the money in the vent, like she just takes off her pants for some reason. Yeah. You know, those pants are a little heavy, man. I mean, we got to put up the snow boots. Come on now. So here, okay, so I might have missed something here. Okay, so, you know, me and Allison, we watch this movie off YouTube, everybody. Okay, because there ain't no mm. copies of this shit out anywhere. All right, unless you fucking dig in eBay or some shit, or maybe like the back, the back lots of like 1980s Walmart. All right? Yeah. So like, yeah. um, so I don't know if like this scene got cut out or something. So what happens is there's a shadow figure outside, right? And mm-hmm. next thing we know, we cut, and it just the fucking um Ruth girl holding Trish's legs, like she did something to her. Like, did you see that, or did 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 I miss something? Um, I don't know that you missed anything. Um, because so, when, I was, when I was reading about it, apparently the uh the girl, the Trish girl, she is greedy, so she shot she shot. Uh, so apparently, no, no, it's the Ruth girl. She got greedy and she shot Trish. She's Trish. Yes. Yeah. Even though they were like kind of like, sh- so like that scene was like missing in the one we saw because all I, I saw was say, a not... shadow scene, and then I saw um, uh, Trish holding the legs, and that's it. Yeah, like I mean, I, like I got what happened. Like I mm. got that she killed Trish. She killed Trish, right? Yes, she yes. killed Trish. But but yeah, the scene where she actually kills her was missing from the scene one the, the one that we saw. Yeah. Now it's possible that I don't know how YouTube works. But the version that I watched literally had a commercial every two and a half minutes. Oh, me too. My sh- I was like, every minute. I was like, fuck, bro. Come on now. Really? It's like we'd watch, I'd watch like two minutes and then it would be like ads in five seconds. Yes. Like, holy fuck. So I don't know if maybe like mine went to an ad like no. right then and then it came back. It didn't I because it, I, but- I back forwarded it twice and there was no, it just cut. Like it was weird. It was just shadow guy walking up to the cabin. Next thing you know. We see fucking Ruth holding Trish's fucking feet. And that's it. And then right. she's about to take the body out. And then the door opens. And then she gets stabbed in the back. And then she dies very slowly. 
Yeah. Like there is a version that's a little longer. Like our, our version I think is, uh, like 78 minutes or something. Yeah. I think there's an 82 minute version out there somewhere. So maybe this, maybe it's just cut out of the version that we saw. Yeah. So, so basically what happened when I was reading about it, apparently, you know, she, she, she basically shot him because she wanted to keep all the money for herself. So her plan was to shoot, um, Trish and George and then take all the money for herself. But this shadowy figure with the blade stabs her in the back. So next morning we have cops show up. So one of the cops name is Ben. All right. Yes. And the other name, um, out of here is, um, his uh his uh side new no, new hire new new hire over here ski ski yeah what what cops they are too yeah ben and ski brother ben and ski all right we have ski for you know we're in mountains and we ski yeah you get it okay i get it uh funny haha ha. i see what they did there so apparently they tracked somehow 1980s magic they tracked these bank robbers all the way to this Ski resort, and they go in there, and then they they see the dead bodies, supposedly. So, so 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 now we're having like these. This is a weird scene. So now there's like two cars coming to the ski resort, okay? And what it is was they filmed the car driving, and then they did post production of them talking to a microphone, just like we're doing, and adding it into the film. Which they did that through this entire movie. Entire I, it was movie. so distracting yes. and it sounded really strange. Yes. Like it just like you could it just sounded like someone was like literally just like yes. overdubbing this YouTube video. Yes. <laughs> it was it was really odd. Really odd. So we have like two sets of group. We have two married couples and then we got about four females. Okay. Yeah. The two sets of married couples is like Al, Tony, um, Lisa. And then um, Al's wife. All right. Yeah, and th- Al is, uh, yeah. Al is basically like if you see a 1980s porn star, this guy looks exactly like them. Okay. He with has the, the hair yeah. with a little mustache. I mean, come on, yeah. brother. All right. I was going to say that Al, Al is the guy that looks like, like Brandon. He looks like our buddy Brandon. Yeah, he kind of does. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If Brandon were to shave into a mustache and get that weird feathered back hair, he would look exactly oh, like Yeah. Al. Exactly. Put the aviators on his ass. Yeah. 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 So they're all talking about, you know, coming down here to visit. And uh, apparently they're celebrating because our boy Tony just got his job being a uh, lawyer. So he just got his lawyership mm. and stuff like that. Um, so they're all coming down there to celebrate. Then we then we get to the other car. There's all these girls led by Stephanie. Um, and they are, they're, they're kind of like, I guess it was Sue. Sue's like dad or something passed away. So they're all going down to the ski to kind of get their minds off it. And of course, this is an 80s movie. They're all here to flirt. Oh, yeah. That is why we have female characters in 80s movies. They're here to satisfy the men. Yeah, because okay. it was it was written by a guy and you yes, can tell. Exactly. So that's pretty much what it is. So this is another weird scene. <laughs> they all like show up to the cabin. All right. And I don't okay. know what the hell. Is, this is like, this is okay. Picture this, everybody. So we have Ben and Ski, right? They're all like, all right, guys, mm-hmm. you know, don't worry about what happened in that room. It's probably some bank robber thing. Don't, everything should be fine. We'll just take a look at the area. All right? And then, mm-hmm. of course, the old lady's like, oh, it's about the legend. And Ski was like, oh, yeah, I want to I hear about this legend. Could you please inform us? And please she goes, tell us. And then she's about to go on like, yeah, it's about some mountain guy. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, 
he is coming back for revenge and stuff. And then right when she's kind of like in the middle of her story, all these people swarm in. You know, that's when we have both of the groups come in. First, we have um, Tony showing up. saying, like, hey, I'm Tony. got a registration re- registration for four. Hey, by the way, I heard there's some murders here yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> News travels fast. I'm like, what the hell? He's like, yeah, I read it in the paper. I was like, bro, that just in the paper. I'm like, fuck, that was quick. So, and they're like, and then like the, the, the son, I guess the, the son of the, the, the mom of the cabin owner, he's trying to like no sell it. It's like, ah, oh, don't worry about something, nothing much. It's just like, a you know, there was a bank robbery thing gone around. And then, um, then the other groups show up, like these girls, like this like, girl, they just butts right in. Hey, you guys got any vacancies? I was like, well, fuck, I didn't even check in yet, lady. Can you wait in the back? <laughs> <laughs> and so then, then, then they, then randomly the old lady's like listen i got all these people here i have to tell you all this legend because that's why i'm paid to be in this movie okay right please advance the plot so the legend is Mm -hmm. there is a mountain man he lived in this area all alone there was no soul to be found and then guess what people moved in kind of reminds me of waynesville over here all right there's only one person here people moved in and they pushed his ass away up top of the mountain and guess what? He yeah. got angry. And what he did was he prayed to the mountain gods <laughs> all right, <laughs> that they would bring him a weapon so he mm-hmm. can force the people who moved in here to move him out away. But guess what? This weapon wasn't from the mountain gods. No. It was from some sort of no. evil source. All right? Mm. And then he used that weapon, that blade weapon, to not only kill the people around here, but he killed his family too. And then he hides in the yeah. lake for some reason now. Got that, everybody? <laughs> and then everybody great, looks like, great, ah. and then the guy's like, all right, so you guys still want to stay here? Like, yeah, 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 we'll stay here. No problem. It's all good. Yeah, sure. Sure. All right. And so, like, so they all kind of agree to uh, just think of the story as just a bunch of rubbish. And it was just, because the, the, the son was just like, okay, did they die in that room? They did. All right, but it wasn't about the 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 story my great my crazy mom's telling. Him. It was just some bank robbery thing gone wrong. So you guys are all good. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we believe you. It's all good. No problem. Yep, no big deal. So, what do you feel about that legend, huh? Mountain man killing that was his family. Fantastic. I love that. And and praying to the mountain gods. Yeah, the mountain gods. <laughs> Is that like the same as like they gave him a knife? Like mountain gods. Is that like the same as like Asgard gods or something? Viking gods, maybe or, yeah. Are they different. Like, they didn't really get it. They didn't get really in too deep to the, uh, to the, uh, to the mountain god story. But uh, maybe, maybe in uh, Satan's Blade too, if we can get that off the ground. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, maybe backstory. Maybe could still let us help write it. And we can write the backstory of the mountain gods. Yeah, you know there was a uh, killing that happened 14 years later. Maybe we could do a prequel. So we'll get into that. Yeah, sure. So the big thing was. The guy said, okay, guys, I have one rule if you all stay here. No partying. You can't party. Because these people don't no want to party. But then, like, the girls wanted to party anyway. So, I, they, yeah. okay. So, I guess nobody can party, but they all want to party anyway. <laughs> gotcha. So, now, you know, now we're driving again in the cars. And we hear the same audio thing. And we're just hearing... We're, the the people in the cars are they're talking about the legend, but they're not taking it seriously. So that's the whole gimmick. Mm-hmm. So so you know they're all you know they're all talking about how hard it was to get here, 
and we're just doing some bit more backstories and now all of them arrive at their cabins okay so the first ones we see is al and the gang they all arrive at the cabin they're all looking around stuff and then the big thing I noticed that Al and Tony basically told their wives, hey, I need you two to unpack everything and then fill that refrigerator full of food and we're going to go fishing. And the girls were like, oh, okay, no problem. And I was just like, this is no definitely problem. written by a dude. <laughs> okay. No, that's for sure. So, and we can see that there's like maybe a little tension between the wives and the, the guys because... There was some flirtation going on um, when they all booked their cabins with some of the the female group and did some of the guys. There was like a little bit flirtation going on there. Mm-hmm. So, so now we have in uh, you know Al. Uh, they're basically saying like the girls are a little nervous about the story, but they're like, oh, don't worry about it. Al and all them, they'll take good care of us. We should be all fine. All right. So now we have uh, the girls. They all show up. The the four party girls. They all show up to their house. They they're all liking this. They like walk in and they're all like, "Oh yeah, this is a nice place to party." I was like, "Okay, yeah, awesome." And then of course Stephanie is now talking about the cute guy she was looking at, which was Tony, and she's talking about was trying to flirt with him. And then you know they're blinging up. Well, he's married and stuff, and he's like, ah. It's like, I'm not worried about all that. And then they start bringing up the old lady story. And then, you know, both the groups are basically talking about the story a little bit, but they're kind of like brushing it off. So now we have Al and Tony. They go talk to the fishermen. All right. So, and this is when we find out that uh, Tony, he he graduated from lawyer school. So now he's an official lawyer now. And this is the scene of the movie where we have to have the old guy who knows everything that's going to go on. It's going to happen, but nobody listens to him. Right? So he's not catching any fish. Tony makes some joke about labor. I don't know. He made some joke about something. And this is when the old guy goes on saying, like, they ask him, like, hey, did you hear about the murders that happened in there? He's like, murders happened in there. Yes, I know all about that. It's the knife. The knife's, the knife's doing it. And then he goes on, kind of repeats the same story that the old lady did a little bit. And then um, Al kind of takes it a little serious, but Tony like saying, oh, this is just some fairy tale. So they, and then the guy gives him the stink eye and they leave. So now we're having, uh, so this is, this is when the movie was like really reminding me of Iced. So we're having a lot of scenes of couples in the cabin sitting around talking to each other. Okay. So we have Al and Tony and the wives are all hanging out and stuff. And both the women are tired, so they go to sleep. And then, so Al now decides to celebrate Tony's accomplishment of lawyer school by drinking Jack Daniels, which is, you know, yeah, good, good old liquor drink. There can't can't beat that. So they decide to get drunk, brother. Um. So now we have the uh, the girls. They're they're the other the group the other group of girls. All right, they're all talking around the fireplace and stuff, and they're all talking a little bit about Sue and her father. You know, I guess there's like a backstory. That's why they're all here to kind of show her a good time. Um, they all start yawning a little bit. I'm just like, are you, are you serious here? And then uh, they uh, they all start toasting to friendship. So now Al and Tony, they're drunk now. All right. And then they make some joke about empty glasses and something about bartender to need to fill them up. And then they start laughing at all these little jokes that doesn't make any sense. 
all right? Um, they, uh, then this is when we get serious. This is when the drama starts happening. You guys ready for the drama? Oh, yeah. All right. Great. So Al, he, so, so he's married to Lisa, all right, his wife. Yeah. And they have a, a tough relationship because Al was in lawyer school and he barely paid any attention to his girl the whole time there. Mm-hmm. So Tony was, I mean, uh, oh wait, no, Al, Tony is the guy who had Lisa with, with the wife. And he, you know, he's going to the lawyer school. He has a lot of tension with his wife. Um, they're just trying to like re- rebuild their relationship because of all the uh, strain that his classes did on 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 the relationship. Yeah. So he just like been right. a little upset with, but he really likes his wife because his wife stuck around. You know, he he took his bullshit, he took all the stress, she took all that, and so he's very very loyal to her. But it's just been a tough time for them. So they're talking about all this when they're drunk, all right. Then we get more of the girls on there. They're, they're talking about that Sue girl. And then they eventually all go to sleep because they're making too much noise. Like the girl crew are. Now we're back with Tony. Now, and then like this guy, they got liquor spit on him. Looks like pukes all on him and shit like that. And they're talking about like, they're pretty much drunk at this time. And they start talking about the legend stuff a little bit. And they kind of blow it off. And they're just like, yeah, you know, those girls next door. You know what I mean? Like, uh. You know, they might be scared because of that legend story. We should uh, make sure they're sleeping good. Yeah. And at first I was thinking, this is some last health and the less shit going on over here. So, because <laughs> I kind of had that same kind of like film vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I was going to say that too, maybe when we get close to the end, but it, it feels more like a 1970s movie than it does a 1980s movie. Yeah. Because it was filmed like, you know, at the beginning of 1980. Right in 1980. Yeah. 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 So. So now we we cut to a scene. We basically see a bunch of girls like dying. We have like this like masked killer with a knife killing up these girls back and forth. Um, Bodies falling to the floor. He's about to get a girl, but it was just a girl having a dream. And the killer was weird. He kind of looked like a fat like a fat monster guy with like a goblin mask on. So. Yeah, well, it's what they could afford with yeah uh, five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I guess. half a million, brother. All right, come on now. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's incredible. So then, after she wakes up a little bit, a wolf mask scares her, and she yep. falls down. All the girls wake, get up. They all scream. They're all running around everywhere, and uh, they, you know, the door opens, and it's basically Al and Tony playing a joke on. Them. I don't know where they had a wolf mask from. They maybe like, just, where did they get that? Where did they get that? I guess they just had it in their bag just in case or something. Yeah. So the girls maybe they found it or I don't know. So the girls like, oh, those are those two guys from next door. So Stephanie automatically jumps on Tony and starts playing. Tony's like, hey, Al, this is better than Disneyland. Ha ha ha. Funny. And of course, Tony's wife gets there. Like, oh. he's like, party's over. Get back inside. <laughs> and then they all get in there. Then the girls are kind of complaining a little bit about. Alan Tony for doing that. Even though Stephanie, she's all about it. And one girl coughs. She's like, if I get sick, he has to pay for my bill. And Steph's like, he's already paying for it right now. Because he's mad with his wife. Yes. So we're outside. We're at the mountains. Um, so now <laughs> the, the, the two wives wake up. Al's wife and Tony's wife, they wake up and they want to... Uh, Tony's wife wants to go hit the slopes. And of course... Al's hung over. 
you know. And she's like, oh, don't worry. I just not my fault, you drunken shit. So we're going to get out there. We're going to go hit the slopes. And, you know, it was uh, Tony and Lisa. They were the ones that were supposed to go fishing. So Tony asked her, like, hey, we're going to go fishing and stuff. She's like, no, I don't feel like it. No, no. So obviously she's, she's upset because of all that flirtation that went on last night, brother. So they go, they go back and forth. We basically have like this Lisa character. She just broods the whole time, you know, just brooding, hanging around everywhere. Um, so Tony basically is gonna go fishing on his own, and then while he leaves, this is when we see Stephanie. She's in like the, she sees Tony leaving on his own. She's like, "Hey, all you girls, all the girls, are gonna go like skiing. They're gonna go get some ski lessons." And Stephanie doesn't want to go. She wants to go walk outside of nature because it's more stimulating. So obviously she's gonna go down there by the lake to meet up with Tony, and then we see uh, we see Stephanie walking to the lake, and we see uh, Lisa kind of like looking ahead. So so we're seeing uh, Stephanie walk all the way to the uh, the fishing spot, while all the rest of the girls go skiing, even though one of them was in high heels. That must be very fun skiing. So Tony, yeah, I thought that was really weird. Yes. So Tony is fishing now. All right. The killer blades in the shadows, like the person with the blades in the shadows. But it was Stephanie grabs on Tony. And they start talking a little bit. She's like, she's like, oh, you're fishing alone? He's like, yeah. He was like, yeah, no, I had to knock people away to come fish with me out here. So they start flirting a little bit. And eventually this Stephanie girl, she knows what she wants. Like this shit was just easy. She just like, Something, something kisses his ass. I'm like, fuck. And then, of course, Tony's like, ah, I can't do this. I'm married and shit. She's like, oh, fucking your wife ain't here. And then he's like, ah, yeah. but I'm here. And she's like, a faithful man. Fuck. It's like, she's like, that's very rare and shit. <laughs> and the guy, and then she's like, I even like you even more now. And Tony's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, I got you know, my wife and everything. She's just been by my side the whole time, so. You know, I was, we we don't we can't you know we're not gonna be a thing, but we could be friends. And then they just start fucking flirting, flishing anyway. So, so they just decided oh, yeah. to be friends over here, which is very rare for eighties horror movies. So, so now we see uh, the two cops, Ben and Ski, brother. Yeah. And this is when we get some more back st- background story. So apparently Ben, so uh, so apparently. 14 years ago, there was a murderer at that same cabin that those two girls died in last night, um, or the night two nights ago. Yeah. 14 years ago, there was like some murder happened, and Ben, he, that's when he first was on the case, like when he first became a, a cop. And that was his mm-hmm. first case, and he was never able to solve it. All right? And then Ski's talking about, like, well, this is, I'm brand new to the fucking forest myself. I've only been here for five months. Hopefully, I can solve this case. So it's making us kind of believe like this Ben had something to do with it, you know, because he was kind of like blowing some swerve. of the stuff off. Yeah. For a swerve, brother. Mm-hmm. So. So now um, Tony and his wife show back up to the cabin. We see the girl, Lisa, she's brooding all around the house around the fire they're all like hey you know i thought you were going fishing with tony she's like i didn't feel like doing it with you know with him 
And then she's like, okay, I need to have a girl talk. Uh, Al goes upstairs, can't find the socks. They t- do a girl talk for a minute saying like, you know, she, the Lisa doesn't feel like pretty enough. You know, there's this girl <laughs> flirting with them and stuff. You know, drama, 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 more drama. Eventually, Al can't find his socks, so he needs help. And then they eventually leave to go d- to dinner. All right. So this is when Tony and Stephanie, they're done fishing. And Tony's like, hey, I can walk you back to the cabin. She's like, no, I'm going to go out here and brood on my own. Out here for hours, out here in the snow, hanging around on my own. He's like, okay, no problem. Not that there's like any kind of crazy killer out here or nothing. No, no, there's no issue with that. So Tony goes back inside. And this is when he has a huge like semi-fight with his wife. You know, first he just wants to go meet up for dinner with Al and stuff. And then they're going back and forth. Uh, the girl's talking about, like, yeah, I know you're trying to flirt out there with that snow bunny. He's like, no. He's like, it's just a girl who's really a, a... He's trying to, like... His logic was so funny. He's like, listen, she's just like a little, like, schoolgirl, and I'm just like her rare uh, uh, teacher or something. She just wants to get up on me and stuff, you know? I mean, like, I can't blame her, you know? And that then was a, Yeah, that, that was a really strange example. <laughs> and she's like... She's like, this has nothing to do with school teachers and stuff. She's like, and he's, like, he's like, listen, I love you. You're exotic. <laughs> you are awesome. You're like, and they eventually just make up. I'm just like, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah, but she, yeah, but he gives her that example, and then she's like, um, but you're not a teacher, and she's not a student. And yeah. then he's just like, oh, it's a bad example. You can just yeah. I want to look on his face. It's, it's like, like, it's like, listen, then, you're my wife. He, <laughs> it, well, yeah, he's well, no, he says, um. Well, she does. She say something like, um, "She's like, I've been sitting here the whole time, like trying to, like, picture my life without you." And yeah. it's like, "Wow, that's jumping to a conclusion." Yeah. And she's like, "And I just can't do it." And he's like, "Well, you won't have to because you're my life." And it's like, "Oh, yeah." So he makes so he, up. He pulls with her. that whole line on her. Yeah. yeah. So they all make up. Yeah, they all make up, and then they're like, then they start doing like this lawyer like fucking flirtation shit. She's like. <laughs> He's like, I think I need a, yeah. I think I need a, I think I need to go over my case upstairs. <laughs> He's like, I think I need to file your cabinets. <laughs> I made that one it's up. It's like lawyer, it's like lawyer sex, sex talk. So like she goes, they go upstairs, right? And then during all this stuff, like the Stephanie girl, she's like just walking outside or on her own snow. So yeah. she goes upstairs, right? She like goes to the, the, the bathroom to freshen up. Mm. All right. And then, uh, you know, our boy Tony gets into the bed because he's ready for some action, brother. You know, he's been flirted on by this this bunny uh, 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 redhead. She's about to get him some puss. But he's like, ah, I got to mm-hmm. stay with my wife, so I got to get some puss somehow. So, <laughs> so <clears throat> if I may, you know, I love these. Oh, I've been waiting on this the whole, whole show. So our girl, Lisa, she gets into something a little bit more comfortable. All right, wearing the oh, bathrobes yeah. and stuff. Make sure we see a little tit action on here. And they start, like, keeping up the uh, the lawyer flirtation shit. So she comes in there, right, on the bed. She's like, now do I look guilty to you? And our boy was all like, he's like, maybe. Maybe. He's like, he's like, now I have to give this case my close personal attention. They start kissing, brother. There you go. Take notes, everybody. All right. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Just get him, get it going. And then while they're, and then you got your girl. And then why, then while, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, duh. Mm. I was like, listen, girl, (laughs) 
I'm about to put you on my. Per- yeah, I'm about to per- <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to put you on my personal uh, uh, attention list. I'll make sure your <laughs> file is going to be filed top priority in my cabinet. It's fantastic, brother. So during all this stuff, Stephanie she just walks alone because she ain't getting no she ain't getting no dick, brother. So uh, t- uh, Tony and um, uh, Lisa they wake up now. And now they're hungry and they start making a bunch of jokes about Al eating a shit ton of food. And then they're saying they're probably late because, you know, Al and his wife have been at the dinner hall or whatever for forever. So then we see this first person view in the snow. We have all the girls that, besides Stephanie, they all come back from sloping. That's what I put in my notes. Sloping. Is that what you call it? Sloping or skiing? I don't know. I've never been skiing in my life. You'd, you would probably know more about skiing than I would, but... Sure, we'll call it sloping. They're back from sloping. So they talk about what typical 80s girls talk about. They talk about how much energy they have and some of them don't have mm-hmm. it. And they talk about all the cute ski instructors. And then they, they're asking, oh, where's Stephanie? And one of them says, oh, he's, she's probably out there ruining marriages. <laughs> and then they all decide to look for her later. Um, because, you know, when it gets dark, maybe they'll look for her. But they're just going to leave her alone out there. Right. So now Tony and the and the Lisa they are leaving to go to the dinner hall. So we just see back and forth scenes of people walking for what it felt like hours. For a while. Okay. Mm. Stephanie's still alone. So now um the Tony and the wife they walk into the, the dinner house as well. And now we're having all now <laughs> so now we see a weird scene. It's one of the girls in like a yellow sweater, like washing dishes, I guess, or something. And the way it was shot, it looked like the fucking, like you only saw her in the window, like nothing else. And she's like, you know, making it by the sink. And we can see that the killer is now entering the girl's cabin. And we have one girl taking a shower, because of course we do, in there. So this guy, this killer, comes up to Yellow Sweater, and he proceeds to take his hand, Put it on the back of her head. Because I want you to explain this to me, Allison, okay? Oh, oh God. Okay. So, first of all, he has one of those gloves. That I, I have these exact same gloves I use for one of my horror movies as well. It's like this fucking, mm-hmm. like, worker's glove that you can get all dirty. He has that shit. He puts oh, it yeah, on. Yeah. And, like, yeah. it, I like it I like it where, like, he has his glove on, but he can still have his fingerprints on everything. So, I thought that was pretty funny. Amazing. Yeah. So, he grabs the back of the girl's head, right? And he dips her head into the sink. Okay, we, everybody following me here? He's drowning her. Okay? Yes. So he's drowning her for a little bit. Okay, we're drowning, we're drowning. And then out of nowhere, this is blood uh, comes up. How? What, what happened here? Did I miss something? Well, that, w- that was going to be my question, too. Like, how do you start bleeding from, from being drowned? I don't... That's why I'm... T- Fuck, you don't know and the answer either. The blood, I, have no, I have no idea. You know, the blood's kind of pink too. It's it's like and like it's like they forgot lo- to add one of the colors or something. And it looked like it was like being like projected into the sink. Like like we're just yes. pouring this here. <laughs> so we're super strange. Okay. So then the girl she gets done with the shower. Okay, and she's complaining about that being that much shampoo. And then for mm. just just because we needed a cool shot, the killer holds up the body and like. So, you know, the room is like, there's like a, a closet or like a door doorway, right? 
And then we see the girl who came out of the shower talking near the stairs. And then the killer is just holding up her body for like, why? Like, why is he holding up for her to listen to her friend or to show us the audience? Like, hey, I killed this body here. Like, that's the scene where, like, you see, like, on the left side of the screen, you see yeah. down the hall, kind of like down the hallway, and then there's, like, a wall where he's holding the body yeah. up, and then he just kind of pulls the body away. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it was cool. I, I thought it looked cool. But, yeah, why is he holding that body there? Because it looked cool, that's why. Some... There is no, like, cool, logic. Exactly. To, there is no logic to it. Like, why would a killer, like, just hold up the body there for some girl talking? Like, there's nobody who sees that, you know. What I mean, except the set piece, like, okay, I'm gonna show the audience or something. I have no idea. Yeah, but ha- I mean, you got to realize though that half of what happens in in horror movies is just because it looks cool. Yeah. So during all this stuff, too, while all this is happening, the other girls are talking about all the cute ski instructors. Yes. Okay. And. So then, so now we have the, uh, I I guess it was the shower girl. She is now, like, putting on her, like, uh, bra and panties and necklace. The next thing we know, bam, stabbed in the back. All right. And then if you thought the girls from the beginning were overselling, bro, this girl's like, no, I I ain't letting them fucking oversell me. Because I'm going to oversell this knife in the back like you've never seen in your life, brother. All right. She's the king of herself. Fucking falls on the bed, like slowly. I mean, this scene took like 10 minutes. Falls on the bed and everything. At first, I was like, okay, where's the blood? And then they slowly creeped in the blood. Okay. And then, um, and then, then we see a bunch of other scenes of all the other girls getting stabbed. Like we see like this, the other blonde and who is in the white dress. She just gets stabbed right in the heart. So all these girls are cut down, brother. And this is when we, and then this is when we have, um, uh, Al and Tony and the rest of them, the the wives, they are now back at the cabin, and apparently we don't eat at the dinner hall. We 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 meet you there, and then we order pizza, then we go back to our house. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. That's a good and point. the, the gimmick that, was the gimmick was Al. He already ate right, and now he yeah. wants more food because he's apparently fat, even though he's not. I have no idea. Maybe right. he just has a, a hunger for something. Maybe the maybe the mountain gods made him into Mr. Hungry Man or something. I have no idea. Make him hungry. Yeah. yeah. So they're there. They're about to eat this pizza. Steph comes home to the other, you know, cabin area. Screams bloody murder because he's all these dead bodies. Our boy Tony's like, oh, what is that? And Al's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. The girls are just trying to scare us. He's like, no, that sounds real. So he goes up to the door, Tony. This girl, Stephanie's banging on the fucking door. Lets her in stuff. She's like freaking out. Girls are dead, blah, blah, blah. Al and Tony go up to the... They don't believe her, so they have to go to the room. They look around. They see all the dead bodies. They all freak out. It's like, oh, fuck, we got to get the fuck out of here. So they all run back to the cabin. (laughs) They're like, hey, don't freak out, but we're freaking out. We got to get in the car. Don't worry about your clothes. Let's get in there. And then they they try to go to the car, but the, the car's tires have been slashed. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-oh. And then, so now we got the the group in there. We got the Al, Tony, the two wives, and Stephanie. Stephanie's all freaking out and stuff. They tell tell Lisa to go calm her down. And then, so Tony's like, listen. I mean, Al's like, listen. I'm not staying here and getting killed. I'm going to go out there. If we make it to the highway, we'll be safe. And Tony's like, yo, you can't go out there. Remember what the legend said? The guy knows everything about these mountains. And Tony's like, well, fuck it. I'm going. 
And then the wife was like, you're not going to leave me, Tony, are you? I mean, you're not going to leave me out, are you? And I, oh, I, so I thought, I thought he was going to be like, fuck you. I'm out of here. But not, he brought <laughs> he his wife. Here. I was like, fuck, bro. I thought I was going to turn heel on his wife. He did it. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I would have popped if he did. He's like, oh, fuck you. Stay here. I'm out of here. Like, Hell yeah. But now he just brought his fucking yeah. wife. So we just see them, Alan, uh, his wife, just walking through this whole snow up and down. And this is when we get cut in with obviously back audio. Yes. <laughs> she was like, not even out of breath. She was, the wife was like, I can't believe what happened to all those girls. I mean, my God. Like, she wasn't even out of breath. Like, it's like, it's like I'm talking to you now. Oh, I can't believe what happened yeah. to those girls. That's poor. Oh, my God. Even though she was like running in snow. You know what I mean? <laughs> For like a yes, good like yeah. 10 minutes. So eventually, like, Al goes by, like, this tree, and the killer just comes up right behind him and slashes his fucking throat. So he's out of there. And then the wife sees it. She tries to run, but then she gets stabbed in the back. And then she's like, all right, girls, I saw your overselling at the beginning of the movie. I saw your overselling at the middle. Now I'm going to oversell at the end. Okay? So we have this long yes. scene of her stabbed in the back. She's like... I don't know why I find this. I find little things funny. Like she got stabbed in the back, right? And then she like slides down the hill. (laughs) (laughs) It's like sliding down the hill. And then she gets up, falls down. We get up by the tree, fall down. And then she falls down and then a car passes her by. So she almost got to the highway, but she didn't quite make it. Back inside the cabin, we have Tony, Lisa, and Stephanie. Stephanie's still freaking out. Lisa's trying to calm her down. Tony's like, Tony's like, get her ass upstairs and calm her down. He's like, I'm going to go look around. He's basically looking around for like weapons, but he can't find anything. And um, she, so eventually, uh, Lisa, she she puts Stephanie in the bed and gets her upstairs. Then she comes downstairs. And then Lisa's like, it's like she's like, Tony, what's going on? It's like, fuck. It's like, are you going to... She just had like this tone, which is like it's just so strange. So she's like, so basically they're 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 gonna try to lock themselves into the the cabin, you know, and hopefully that the the killer won't come. So Tony decides to make a fire, okay, and okay. he is a uh, uh, kind of you know up there making the fire. He, he he's trying to find a weapon too during the whole time. And Lisa, she's sitting by the window. And next thing we know, Killer jumps out to fucking the window. Or his hand jumps out, grabs her, 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 like, robe and shit like that. And then Tony tries to go to the... He goes to the fireplace. And he kind of makes, like, a, a burning stake. What do you call that thing when you burn wood? A torch? Torch. That's what it is. Yes. Okay. Torch, brother. So he tries to, yeah. he tries to torch the killer. That shit didn't work. Lisa runs all the way upstairs. And then we have this big fight scene in the dark. <laughs> yes. So I was going to comment yeah. on that. So there's like all of these, like, like there's no lights in this movie. Like everything was almost no. shot with like real, with whatever available lighting they had. Like yeah. it's, it's so dark that you can't even see which character is which. I wasn't even sure what was going on. Nothing. So yes, they, they they do a lot, like a lot of shadow work with this one, which I could respect that. They do. Um, I th- I actually thought the scene where the killer kills Tony with like the uh, the fireplace um, instrument thing or the torch. I don't know what mm-hmm. he stabbed him with. He stabbed him with something. I actually thought that scene looked pretty cool because you couldn't really tell who died. 
Um, so the the knife got dropped, and then we see somebody get stabbed in like the shadowy like picture. So then um, yeah. Lisa is upstairs, and she can't find Stephanie. Stephanie's gone. She's like, "Where the fuck did this girl go?" And then eventually the killer walks in. And the killer goes up to... We can't tell if it's the killer or if it's Tony yet. And then it is a killer because the killer stabs Lisa and she falls down. And she and we find out that Steph was underneath the bed. And she's like staring eye to eye with this dead Lisa in front of her. And then the... Right. And then it's just the next morning. So I guess the killer is like, oh, well, you know, nobody here. <laughs> I'm going to get on out of here. So it's the next morning. Steph gets out of the bed I don't know if she went to a different side. I don't know how she just got out of the bed and didn't move the body over. But that's just me. So she's like walking around. There's like an X on the wall with a couple handprints for some reason. For some reason. She sees Tony's dead body on the floor. She's like, she freaks out. And this is when we see a hand take the money out of the vent. All right. And then we see Ski... Mm-hmm. With the bag of the money in his hand, call up the radio, the the not the radio station, <laughs> the cop station. The cop station. Yeah. Tells Ben and tells everybody, hey, there's been more murders out here. Everybody needs to get here right now, right away. Stephanie sees Ski, runs to him, fucking hugs his ass, and the next thing we know, Ski stabs her right in the belly, mm-hmm. and I she falls down. But the scene was awesome. She falls down. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, my favorite part is when she comes out of the uh, out of the upstairs, yeah. and then she sees the dead bodies downstairs, and then she's like, uh, in her true overacting fashion, yeah. she's like, "Oh no, oh I no, love that. yes." So he stabs her ass, right? She falls yeah. down. She's like, "It was you. It was all you." And then, she, and she's like, "Please tell me why." And he's like, "Oh, I will. Okay, this is like some Scooby Doo shit. I'll definitely tell you why." <laughs> So he starts going off like so at first he's like just like 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 um what do you call it stumbling a little bit yeah like he's all like well I didn't want to do it blah 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 uh the the knife made me do it and I just wanted the money you know I didn't mean to hurt anybody and he's like kind of tweaking out a little bit and then like yes this and then like I don't know what the fuck happened but then this motherfucker starts sounding like sound wave. All right, from fucking Transformers. <laughs> okay. Yes. I was like, what is, he's not like a fucking robot. All right. And he's all talking about like, like the mountains and shit let, made him do it. They all telling him that he must not let anybody alive. They all must die. Fuck, I wish I had like a voice recorder right now. I like, could make my shit sound like a robot on here. All right. <laughs> yes. Because all of a sudden it's like he gets his evil Transformer voice. Fuck. I should have. Then, I was like some <laughs> robot voice. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I was like, it's "What fantastic. is going on here?" So apparently, when you grab Satan's knife, all right, not only does it glow and it makes you like kill people around this mountain, but you also turn into like a robot for some reason. Apparently, okay? apparently yes. So he's giving like the whole backstory and shit about like why he killed people and because he's must and everything, and that's why. He, basically, the knife made him do it kind of deal yep so after all this you know she he just you know walks away and everything slowly uh next thing we know we see him we see the ski out there in his bare foot walking through all the snow in his bare feet he looks at the knife a little bit like i'm done with you throws it in the fucking lake so i guess like once you okay so 
I guess the legend is, once you grab the knife and you've killed enough people, the, the curse will not let you leave. Like, everything's fine. I, I guess so, yes. Because he, really yeah. he throws the fucking knife in the lake or the little river, goes to it, washes himself off, all right, just goes away, everything's fine. Next thing we know, fucking water starts boiling and shit. We have a fucking demon hand. I'm like, what the fuck? What, what's going on here now? Where, like, where, where did this come from? Like, okay, so this, this, the gimmick is true. It grabs the knife and just throws it onto the tree. And it starts glowing, that little 80s glow. Yep. Then we have some cowboy fucking just walking into the fucking <laughs> snow with his fish gear. It's like, oh, there's a fucking knife. And then he takes it and end the movie. And then it says, I couldn't believe it with my own fucking eyes. It said, I know, it was amazing. the legend continues. I was like, what fucking legend? What's going on here? <laughs> But it, but spoilers, it did not continue. Yes, unless there's like this Kickstarter thing that I don't. I, I tried to find it online. I could find jack shit. Okay, so, so yeah, Satan's Blade, everybody. What a yeah, that was amazing. What a wild movie. Like, very interesting. I mean, okay, so it's not great. I mean, I'll admit that it's not great. But he, I feel like this guy did the best he could. You know I'll give I mean? him he that. tried to I'll make the that, movie. Yeah. There was an attempt to make a movie, and he did the best he could. I mean, even the the weird like overdubbing of all the sound in the entire movie, he was probably trying to make the best sound that he could, and he just didn't know really what he was doing or how to do it, or somehow didn't have the money with five hundred thousand yeah. dollars to to do this correctly. But um, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I it's not a great movie, but I think that he did the best he could, and he. He tried to make a movie that he that he felt passionate about, and I respect that. I think, you know, cheers to uh, L. Scott Castillo Jr. for making this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I appreciate it for what it is. You know, B B horror movies. Um, you know that that type of you know exploration type of movies and stuff. I you know I, I respect yeah. all that. You know, I made a couple of those myself. You know, what I mean, like super, like you know, yeah, you have yeah, lock of you know. Not a whole lot of logic in there. Let's just get to the cool shots. You know what I mean? I want to see some cool shots, some cool action. You know what I mean? So I can respect all that. Um, You know, like I said, the biggest thing is like, I mean, to me was like the similarities between this and Iced. It was like pretty amazing. They are kind of similar, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a pretty fun watch. Like this is like, you know, there's some movies like this that are fun watch. I was just amazed of all like the middle ground of the story. You know what I mean? Like all this drama shit. Yeah. Like, I was like, it's like, it's like, like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to have all this drama going on for half the movie. And then we're going to kill everybody off at the end. All right. Well, yeah, it's almost like the only idea they had, they had the idea for how, for the legend and how all the killing at the end. They're like, well, how are we going to get there? Yeah. So they created (laughs) all of this, this drama so that they would have, uh, uh, yeah, you know, character interaction until it got to the end. So, but, you know, not too bad, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed the uh, review. And we will be continuing the month of February, our ice cold month, brother. Snow and we should have called it ice, snow, and drama because, boy, there's been drama. Ice, to snow, air. and drama. Ice, snow, and drama, brother. There's been a lot of drama yep. in these uh And in there'll these be reviews. more drama next week. Oh, yeah. Because next week, Allison, what are we going to be doing next week here on the show? 
So we're stepping up a little bit next week. This is not a B movie. This was made by an actual studio. It was made by MGM. Um, it cost a cool $2.4 million to make. Boom. We are going to be watching Dead of Winter. Ooh, Dead of Winter, everybody. We're going to be leaving our ice cold month hot next week with that review. Yeah. So. But everybody, before we sign out of here, I just want to let you guys know we do have a, a lot of programs um, for the the month of February. You know, obviously we did the uh, curtains and iced for the curtains. retro blood, but we also did a special Valentine's Day review of the 1999 St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay per view from 1999 on our lights mm-hmm. out. Very fun discussion of that whole pay per view, that whole era. I actually really, really enjoyed that show. Uh, so everybody check it on out if you have any wrestling buddies out there who want to hear some 1999 WWF action. That's a fun, fun review. Um, but yeah. um, we'll be doing some more of those lights out here and there. So I always love doing those shows. But uh, Allison, what are we going to be listening to getting us out of Satan's Blade? Man, let's, listen to, let's play some Fate's Warning for the people on the way out. Let's listen to the uh, date. The, uh, First track off of Night of Brocken. It's called Buried Alive. Ooh, Buried Alive, brother. All right? Because you know our boy Ski wanted to fucking bury everybody alive just so we can take that cash, brother, and go out there and and go into the slopes. You know what I mean? He's out there five five months on the the cop job. Fucking, uh, I don't know what the hell he's going to spend that money on, but I guess he'll figure it out. He just wanted the money, brother. So He just wanted the money. He just wanted it, so... But we will catch you here next time on the Retro Blood. Later, everybody. See you guys next time.